actually said to her that, like, don't get attached because I'm going to be traveling. And then at the same time, I also invited her along with me. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Five years later now, we're, we're on the road together and uh, absolutely loving it. Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and my guests today are Frankie and Alex, aka FNA. Frankie and Alex have been living tiny since 2019 in their van. Well, they've actually had two vans. And in this interview, we're going to talk about why they decided to upgrade from their first van to their second van. Also, Frankie and Alex have actually been touring around Central America. And we talk about what it's like living van life, living tiny, living nomadically in other countries that aren't necessarily the United States or Canada. Frankie and Alex are wonderful guests. They're actually full-time YouTubers and podcasters, and they've just got great stories and great energy to share. So I hope you stick around for the conversation. I hope you enjoy our conversation, and if you do, I hope you'll leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and share it with any friends, family, or colleagues via social media or however you want to share it if you think that they could learn from this conversation as well. Also, if you're listening and you don't follow the show, make sure to hit that follow button in Spotify, in Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen so that you get a fresh episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast delivered to you every single Friday. Uh, I publish episodes on Friday mornings usually, so you wake up and the new episode is there for you. And if you want to hear from me even more, head over to thetinyhouse.net slash newsletter where you can sign up for the weekly Tiny Tuesdays newsletter. This is a roundup of Tiny House news, uh, summaries of the new podcast episode, and more uh, written by me every Tuesday. All right, let's get on with the show. Frankie and Alex. Frankie and Alex have been living tiny since 2019, only their tiny home is on wheels. Paco the dog joined them in 2020. To date, they have self-converted two work vans into tiny homes and have been enjoying van life all over North and Central America. Full-time YouTubers and podcasters, their brand FNA Van Life inspires countless others to dream of life beyond the four walls of home. Frankie and Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having us. We appreciate you bringing us onto the podcast. Yeah, thanks for being here. And I, um, it's always nice to chat with fellow podcasters. And then, of course, I want to want to hear about your show. Um, but first, I just, um, can you kind of like flesh out the story? Oh, and and I also will say for the listeners, like Paco is also the third person, the dog. Um, 
Paco is also going to be a part of the interview. So if you hear any like strange moaning and groaning, it's not me or Frankie or Alex. It's the dog. Yeah, um, absolutely. Paco has been a very important part of our podcast since day one. As soon as we start recording, he decides it's mm-hmm. time to like get crazy. Yeah. So yeah. he hears yeah. the mic go on. Maybe there's some like yeah. weird frequency or something and so, he's just ready to go. So one thing you need to know about Paco is he is a true extrovert. Mm-hmm. He very much loves when people are around and he is a social butterfly when it comes to, you know, at least adults. Yeah. And so I think he hears the other person or us talking to somebody is like, wait a second, where are they? I need to, uh, I need to get to meet them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm happy. I'm happy to include him. Thank you. So, um, tell me about your, like, kind of, what were you doing before you converted your first fan and, and what kind of, what pushed you over the edge? What made you decide to kind of make the jump? So we were both working in New York City. We had very like corporate jobs, nine to five, more than that, really. When you're in New York City, it's very much a hustle and bustle and very stressful. And both of us were, you know, leaving home at 6 a.m. and then not getting home until, you know, seven o'clock. And it just was starting to weigh on us mentally and emotionally. And, um, you know, we just kind of weren't enjoying New York City for all that it had to offer anymore. I, as an air conditioning tech in New York City, I lived in like South Brooklyn. And basically, it took me three hours on average per day of just driving in my van, not getting paid. So I was like, why am I going to drive for somebody else in a van when I could just like live out of one and travel and drive whenever I want and hopefully make money while I'm doing it, you know? And kind of that's what it kind of spread into before i met alex i already had this kind of this idea that i want to travel it wasn't in a van Uh at first it was more like pulling something and like with a truck and then my goal really was to snowboard as many mountains as i could in my life and so yeah i met alex um actually during like i was coming back from an injury from a snowboard season Uh and i started dating again and i met alex and on our first date I actually said to her that, like, don't get attached because I'm going to be traveling. And then at the same time, I also invited her along with me. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and uh, yeah, three years, la- well, five years later now, we're, we're on the road together uh, for three of the years and uh, absolutely loving it. You know, she was a big reason why this life came to fruition. She was mm-hmm. like, how about you think about like she... Uh, three months in, she kind of pulled out a whole spreadsheet of all the money that I need to save from my travels. And then I uh-huh. turned to her and I was like, there's something missing. And she's like, what? And I'm like, you're not on here. And sure enough, she had yeah. her own Excel spreadsheet for her to save money. So she was like already on board, just wanted to hear me say it to her, like, where are you at? You know? So she just flipped to the second sheet and it was the combined expense yeah. sheet. Yeah, Yeah, I should say that I was an executive assistant in New York City. So spreadsheets were very much up my alley in terms of nice, you know, day to day workflow. And Frankie kind of put this seed of an idea of full time travel into my head. And then I kind of got into like, (laughs) just grab. I just went down this rabbit hole of YouTube and podcasts and all the things van life and what that might look like. And, you know, the the rational thing in my mind to do was to put it all in a spreadsheet and figure it out. Cause that's how you make all of the best decisions in life. 
And so basically, absolutely. Yeah. And so basically Alex was pretty much like, are you sure you want to do it this way? How about we like look at RVs and stuff? And because the the budget, I would have to save basically like $4,000 a month to, to put away the type of money I needed to get like the mini mate and the brand new truck and pull the mini mate <laughs> behind the brand new truck. What it would cost for like, you know, uh, uh, camping spots and whatnot. <laughs> and so we reanalyzed and we went back to the drawing board and we, we were like, all right, well, if we want to spend, like, we went super the opposite direction. We went from very yeah. expensive to super inexpensive because we're like, all right, we're probably only going to do this for a year. Let's, let's like really think about the cheapest way of doing it. So that way we have more money later on. And we went and looked at RVs that were in like this, like four to $5,000 price range. And they were all kind of mm-hmm. really old and needed tons of work. And had been like really lived in. Yeah. And so this was before the boom of, of like van life and the pandemic. Okay. So vans were still pretty cheap at the time. And yeah. we were looking around and, and Alex said to me like, Hey, do you think you could build one out? And I was like, I do. I do think I could build one out and it will give me time to save money. So this is, this is ultimately what we did. And we found a van for about 4,000 bucks. And wow. uh, yeah, which is so cheap right now like if you were to find that same van today it'd probably be 13 grand just for the van wow yeah so i remember like at the beginning of the pandemic vans suddenly got crazy expensive and i'm curious i know you you you're in a van already so you're probably not like watching the van prices quite as closely but has that like has that leveled out have they started to come back down or is it still just like I think it's come down a little bit from like the way crazy like max peak. And I also think the market has been flooded with tons of inventory now Yeah, because there was a problem for a while that like even the car manufacturers couldn't make new cars. You know, actually when we got our second van, the, we bought it and we decided to build it out and the car manufacturer reached back out to us and we're willing to buy it back for $15,000 more than what we bought it for. So like goes to show you how, willing they were to get these right. bands back so they could sell them again. Right. And wow. so, yeah, like Alex was saying, the inventory for an already pre-built van now has kind of skyrocketed because you have a ton of new van built companies. You have a lot of people that have jumped into the craze only for a year and then decide to yeah. turn around and sell their van. So there's definitely more inventory for it. And I will yeah. say that normally when you build your first van, there's a couple things that you miss for yourself in the lifestyle. Like you, you, you're like, oh, van number two is going to be the better build of mm-hmm. of these vans. Yeah. So, um, I'm very keen to to kind of learn about the differences between van number one and van number two. But maybe tell tell us a little bit more about van number one. Like, what was the fit out like? How long did it take? How much did you spend? That kind of stuff. So, van number one was super. I don't know, I guess you could call it like rustic chic. We were trying to do everything on a really tight budget. Cause like Frank said, yeah. we thought we were only going to be in the van for a year. We're like, we're just going to do this big road trip and then we're going to sell it. We're going to buy a house. We're going to, you know, be mm-hmm. done traveling. And obviously that's not how it worked out. But anyway, mm-hmm. so we didn't want to put a ton of money into something that we knew that we were only going to be in for a year. So everything that we did in that van was about, you know, cutting costs. We wanted to have all the luxuries quote unquote of home. So like running water, we had a composting toilet, like a really basic one. We had a fixed bed, 
All of the wood was just regular plywood that we used a, a burning technique on. So it was like really mm-hmm. rustic looking. Um, I think it was really cute and it was definitely functional. And we lived in it for almost 11 months before we sold it. But mm-hmm. at that point, the kind of bigger problem had become that the engine itself was constantly having some kind of trouble because it was an older van. It was a 2003. We bought it with over 200,000 miles on it. You know, it hadn't been super well maintained. We gave a lot of TLC to it and put a fair amount of money into the engine and things like Mm. that. Yeah. And we're continuing to do that on the road and making fixes and upgrades and, you know, new parts and whatever. But we just kind of figured if we're going to keep living this lifestyle and travel as hard and as fast as we enjoy, then having to push a wrench every couple of weeks, every other month, mm. is not really enjoyable. Also, before we sold the van, we realized that uh, one of the, the head gasket itself was either warped or, or blown slightly. Mm-hmm. It was it was having blow by. And so we lit, when we listed it, we put that all in the details of the listing. Like, hey, you're most likely going to have to change a head gasket. It, you could put three to six thousand dollars into it, and then you have a brand new van, basically. And yeah. we just knew that for us and our financial situation at that time, it was better for us to sell that van and allow yeah. somebody else who had the financial ability to just fix the gasket with the yeah. with the help of a mechanic, and then they have a home to live in. For us, it was like, all right, we'll sell this, and then we'll take that money and we'll use that money to buy a new van. Got it. And that's exactly what we did. Yeah, so that first van I'm I'm look, looking at the pictures that looks like uh, a Dodge a Sprinter and that that's a diesel van. I know that those are notorious for for engine troubles. Yeah, but at the same time, if you keep up on it and you fix it, it's yeah. a five hundred thousand to a million mile engine. Yeah, you know, so that's, th- there's yeah. a give and take to it. You know, you you have sure, this longevity sure. of an engine, but little things around it are definitely gonna. You know, go bad every 60,000 miles or so. Yeah. But that's kind of what you're getting into when your house is a vehicle. Like, you know, when you're buying a a van, I think it was one of the mistakes that I made mentally in my mind was that when we hit the road, when we were done building the van, that we would be done with all of this construction stuff, with all of this van set. Like, now we can just enjoy and have fun. Right. But then you get, you know... 10,000 miles down the road and something blows or, you know, that cabinet that you thought was built really well starts to rattle loose or, you know, your van is basically going through a little earthquake every single day and you're putting Mm -hmm. a lot of miles on it. It's a pretty heavy load. Like we try to stay under the GWR. Is that what it's called? (laughs) Close enough. (laughs) Like the max weight for the vehicle. Yeah. (laughs) So we do that, but it's still, it's like the vehicle is always has a load and it always has, you know, weight in the back. And so you're just kind of, you're building a house on some pretty unstable ground that you're going to have to maintain. Sure. Sure. Yeah. That's a really good, that's a good point. And that's, that's like a fair warning to anybody listening who wants to do van life, which is that like, even if you start with a brand new van, there's going to be maintenance. There's going to be things that break down the road just because of what, what you're doing to it. Mm-hmm. And like we like to set realistic expectations for people, you know, mm-hmm. we're not the type of people that are going to just show you the Instagram photo that is like, oh, look at that beautiful place they're at again. Of course, it comes with the lifestyle where you're going to wind up at these places. Nice timing, guys. Uh, they both started drinking coffee at the same time or yeah. tea or whatever is in the cup. 
but um, you're gonna you need to set these realistic expectations. Yes, there's a lot of beauty to the lifestyle, but there's also a lot of hardship too. You know, and and you can't just come into the lifestyle thinking that it's all gonna be pizzas and cream. You know, it's gonna there's gonna be yeah. stuff between it that you know you're gonna have to get your hands dirty. You're gonna have to be willing to fix stuff on the go in the middle of nowhere. In the middle of a snowstorm. One one of the major things I tell everybody to do is at least have a couple essential tools that you need to make some, you know, quality fixes, you know, and that's a big reason why when we build our vans ourselves, you know, we want to use the same type of screws for everything. That way you're not trying to mix and match 20 or 30 different tools while you're on the road. Smart. I'm curious, you know, when you did this, so you were in the first van for 11 months. And then you decided to go with a second van. Um, so tell tell us about you know what were some of the key things that you wanted different in this in this second van, and also you know was the switch from that Sprinter to um, the Ram like was that were you specifically after the Ram van or yeah to talk about that. So at that particular moment in time, I think what we were most interested in was a reliable engine that we weren't going to have to fiddle with. So we wanted a newer vehicle, but we weren't in a financial position to buy like a brand new, Mm -hmm. you know, 2021, you know, four by four stuff. Like we had to think about the, you know, what we had value wise on what we could Mm -hmm. spend. And we needed to really think about the, you know, options that were available for us and even just finance in general, because, you know, even though we did have good jobs, you know, previously we were technically self-employed at this point. So it's much right. harder to get uh, a, a company to give you a loan, you know, or a bank to give you a loan for anything in general. So when we got our loan, it was only for X amount of dollars. So we actually had to come out with, I think it was like 10 grand out of our pocket too as well. Right. But luckily the sale okay. of the first van allowed us to have that money to be able to put down that down payment of 10 grand mm-hmm. to, to be able to get the vehicle itself. But yeah. I think we also did like the ProMaster and the fact that it was a lot wider. Yeah. Because mm. in the first van, the, the Sprinter, especially the older chassis, was quite narrow. And then it also, you know, like vans kind of angle inwards as they go up. So the roof is skinnier than the base. So you have, you know, a very long, narrow living situation. Whereas in the ProMaster, it felt like we could have more space and spread out. And at the time Mm. we, you know, we went on this mission in the first van to snowboard as many mountains as we could on the Epic and Icon Pass in North America. And that goal was 83 mountains. I wound up snowboarding 71 of them in one season and Alex did 40 of them with me. Yeah. So technically- It's a world record, but like don't ask not, don't ask Guinness. It's not <laughs> noticed by Guinness. So because nobody okay. snowboarded more mountains in a single season than that, that I know of. If somebody else, let me know. If you, if you know somebody yeah, else, let me know. And so we never You're certainly like of of my podcast guests, you've snowboarded the most number of mountains. So I'll give you that award. Thank you, thank you, bro. Appreciate <laughs> yeah. that. So yeah. I hold the world record on this channel yeah. alone. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, so we never needed four by four during that whole time, you know, while snowboarding all these mountains and parking in these random places, we never pushed our limit to the point where we had to have a four by four vehicle. So for us, we were like, okay, four by four isn't necessary. It's Mm -hmm. only necessary if you're going to go 
really, really far off the beaten path, which right. at the time we didn't expect to do. And so we and just, now actually we've been we're in Costa Rica right now. We've driven mm-hmm. all the way through Mexico, Guatemala, El Salvador, Nicaragua. We went to the Panama Canal. So we've done yeah. this whole trip as well and haven't needed four by four. I mean, there was a couple spots where it would have been very helpful. There was nice. at least five spots where we needed four by four. But okay. we yeah. made it out of all of them with some help and some ropes and, the, you know. If not four by four, we at least needed like like a low gear. Like you could go yeah. in the first gear, but you can't go into overdrive with, with, a, mm. with a Ram van. You know, at least with the one that we have, where like a four by four, you go four wheel low and then you can basically climb up anything. You know, it doesn't really matter the pitch. Right, right. Where out in Central America and South, there are definitely some roads that are over a 20 percent grade. Yeah. So um, was the second van built with the idea that you would go south? Yes, uh, in in a sense. So I would say yes, because we wanted to make it very open space. That way we could feel very comfortable and at all times be able to be inside and work. We Mm. didn't put air conditioning in because we would have needed a much larger battery system okay, or a generator. And then that's just an extra thing you have to carry. So we just have fans in our van. And uh, Mm -hmm. As we were traveling through North America, we realized that we actually had to install more fans because we only had one at the time. And we got to some warmer climates. In the cold climates, we could always stay warm. We have that heater in there that that Mm -hmm. makes it nice and toasty. But as we got south and it got warmer, we realized, oh, man, we need need more airflow. And so we put two fans, 12-volt fans, like that face the bed directly. And mm-hmm. also push forward so you could like kind of rotate them wherever you kind of want them. But you could get really good, adequate, you know, airflow on your body. And that makes it to where yeah. you don't really need air conditioning. It's, it's, you would really only need the air conditioning in, in the middle of the day when it's like the hottest point of the day. And normally at yeah. that time, we're out like in the ocean or hiking or doing something that is getting us away from the heat. Yeah. That makes sense. You don't want to be sitting around in a van in in 100 degree heat. No, you got to find shade. Trees with a breeze. Trees in the breeze. Like it. So. I've I've definitely spoken to, to people doing van life, but I don't know that I've ever talked to anyone who's like specifically traveling in Central America and, and kind of going beyond the like you know, US and Canada. So I'm curious, like, what do you, what are the pros and cons of, of, of departing US for the Southern, Southern climbs? Yeah. I mean, first thing is culture. I'm like uh, the opportunity to be in a place where you don't speak the language and, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to really like learn to adapt and, and, you know, you're, you're getting this, this new culture that you're infused into and um, you're really, really, really relying on the kindness of strangers because you don't even speak that language. So it really gives you a new perspective. And, and then money. Yeah. It is, it's definitely much cheaper to, to live and travel in a van in, through Central America. There are pros and cons to it, though, because like now, since we do run a business of this lifestyle and travel, and uh, we do have our podcast and our YouTube channel. We do utilize and, and work with brands and have sponsorship mm-hmm. deals and things like that, that we can't 
do as much uh, when we're in Central America just because it's really, really difficult to receive any type of uh, physical product. And we don't want to uh, promote something that we don't know how it works or, or how it feels, you know? So we want to make sure it's good for this lifestyle before we promote it. Okay. Yeah, that is, that is tricky. Yeah. But like generally I think traveling through Mexico and Central America has been really a beautiful experience. A lot of people were worried about our safety or worried about, you know, us being robbed or murdered or, you know, all of these things. And we've had nothing but really positive experiences. People going out of their way to help us, people being super friendly. We've uh, we've definitely parked in a lot more campsites down south, but it's because uh-huh. they're very affordable. They usually have really great views and it gives you an opportunity to have like a nice cold shower on a super hot day for like $5, you know? Nice. So, but we've also free camp in every single country, you know, like we're not... The very first night that we got to Mexico, we free camped on the, you know, the side of a lagoon and it was very, I was super nervous, but everything turned out okay. And I feel like the first like week or so through Baja and Mexico, there was this like worry of like, okay, like everybody says it's so dangerous here. You know, I'm just waiting for something to happen. And then nothing ever did. And so by the time we got into like mainland Mexico and Guatemala and Nicaragua, like we're just having a great time and meeting new people and trying new foods and meeting other travelers has been really cool because, you know, just it's more rare down here to run into people. Like I feel Uh like in a lot of the really van, you know, popular locations in, especially in the United States, like if you're going to Sedona or J tree or stuff like that, there's so many nomads and you're going to run into so many vans and things like that. Like we could go like weeks without running into another van down here. So when you do see wow. somebody in a van, you're like, oh, my God, hi. Well, you're excited because <laughs> you're sharing an experience that a lot of people, you know, dream about. And, and yeah. a lot of people are thinking like, oh, I'm going to live tiny. I'm going to be traveling in an RV or a van. You know, one of the one of the dreams is to do the Pan American Highway. And we're actually here doing it, you know. So it's it's this nice. opportunity to really, you know, bounce different stories and stuff off of each other. and and you know, just really be a, really immersed into the, you know, the thing that you both were dreaming of doing and, and you know, just being here and in the moment is, and with other people that uh, understand us feels really good. What would you say are your, like your costs to live down there in the van? Um, and what do you like, and how does that compare to what you think it would cost to live, you know, in the States in the van? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I think that the fuel down here is at par or like maybe even a little bit more expensive, but then it's uh-huh. interesting because you can get through a whole country on like one or two tanks of gas. So mm-hmm. for us, we've been doing about a month in every country. Okay. So moving fairly slowly. So maybe we're getting one or two tanks of gas a month at, you know, between 75 and a hundred dollars per tank, depending on, mm-hmm which country we're in and where we fill up and things like that. So gas is about yep. $200 a month on average, two yep. to two fifty, depending on how okay. much we're driving. Yeah. Cell okay. phone plans down here are a lot less expensive. Like the local SIM card plans, you can buy data for like $10 a week. Um, for us, we have been using our T-Mobile service quite a bit and just jumping on Wi-Fi whenever we get a chance. Mm-hmm. So that's been really easy. We haven't, the only place where we were able to use Starlink 
I was in Mexico and it's cheaper there where we got it. So okay. I don't know what it is in the States at the moment. Maybe like a hundred dollars a month or something like that. Where for us it's about sixty-five because we got ours in Mexico. So ours is relatable to the price of what you'd pay in Mexico. Interesting. Uh, but we've paused it, so we haven't been using that at all. Because it's not available mm-hmm. in any of the Central American countries yet. I would say on average, it's anywhere from like 1500 to like $2,000 a month maximum. Mm-hmm. For like everything, for including everything. food. Like I feel like Insurance. we probably spend maybe $300 a month on groceries for two people yeah. and a dog. Like for, we eat out a lot more down here, especially depending on the country. Costa Rica is quite expensive to eat out and do all these things. So we eat out less in Costa Rica. But in like Mexico, you can have like a feast for two people and they bring you the bill and it's like $9 US. And you're like, wow, wow. I like that it sounds here. Awesome. Yeah. So it just, it really depends, you know, obviously more touristy areas. So like places that are really popular are going to be more expensive because they know they have the tourist dollars coming in. But if you're in like sure. a really small beach town somewhere, everything is really inexpensive. I would say typically for us on average, it's probably about a thousand dollars a month less, you know, for us to be in Central America rather than in the United yeah. States on average. And that it depends on your lifestyle. And we haven't been in America since this like crazy inflation stuff that everybody's talking about. So Everybody is keeping warning us that when we come back, our grocery bills are going to make us, you know, my, shake in our boots. Make you miss you never came back. Yeah. yeah. My brother actually told me, like, you're in, you're in Vermont. You were saying my, yeah. my brother's in New York. And he said for a yeah. carton of eggs, for a 12-pack yeah. of eggs, it's $8. Yeah, it's, it's expensive. There's there's some stuff going on with eggs right now for some reason. It, here in Central America, you know how much it is yeah. for a 12-pack of eggs? Oh, Tell me. Probably like two bucks. Two bucks. Well, I don't want to make people jealous, but like Vermont is its own magical little place and we buy eggs like from somebody who my yeah. wife works with, like for I think like three or four bucks, but they're still a lot cheaper than than yeah. what you can buy at the store. Yeah, we come home, we'll do like a grocery shop or uh, or like we'll go to like the local frutaria is what they're called mm-hmm. here. And we'll yep. go to one of those and then uh, we'll come back and we'll have a bounty of of just like fruits and vegetables and all this stuff. And we'll do a yeah. video, shoot a video. And next thing you know, our friends in the States are like, oh my God, it's like a third of the price. Like maybe it's 30 to you 50 know? bucks every time we go to the store. And they're like, for that same nice. thing, we would pay almost $100. And yeah. it's just kind of mind blowing, you know, to to hear the difference between the two. Wow. Sounds nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, it has its, it, ha- it has its perks. Yeah, and it has yeah. its its con like it has its pros and its cons. I think it takes yeah. a particular kind of person to enjoy traveling down here too, because there's definitely things that if you are used to a certain kind of lifestyle or luxury, or it's going to be hard for you to not have a hot water shower every time, or like we've been into some really disgusting bathrooms, and like you know, there's just like some things. Some things are great and beautiful and amazing. And some things are like, whoa, that's a, that's a place. (laughs) Um, But so for us, it's kind of all part of the experience. And it's just like, you know, whatever, like, I'm not going to stay here forever. I'm going to use this thing one time and then I'm going to be out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whereas for other people, you know, not being able to find your particular brand of cereal that you love at the grocery store might just drive you nuts or being able to find like a high quality peanut butter. 
Yeah, it's it's you could definitely do, you know, certain type of diets that like if you're like a vegan or a vegetarian, mm-hmm. or, you could find those diets, but it's going to be much harder to find specific ones. And then even like, you know, to get good quality meat, you know, it, it might be a little bit harder just because you're the way that they do things down here is just different. Like, or just the way it's packaged or the way it looks. There's or... meat just drying in the air in a lot of places or fish on the side of the road, you know, and mm. it's just not a normal thing that you would see in the States. Got it. Got it. Um, so you both live in the van full time and you both work in the van full time. Um, do you have any tips on how to make 70 square feet functional and, and livable for two people? Love your partner. <laughs> yeah. The, the dog, my dog is now annoying me. I think he wants to leave this room, but I'm not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so be kind to your partner, you know, yeah. think about things in the sense of like, all right, like, do I need to step out of the space and go for a walk or go surf or whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. give them an opportunity to be by themselves if they need it. Uh, have a lot of good communication with one another. Um, know that when people like talk to each other, don't yell at each other. You know, that's one mm-hmm. of the biggest things you could do. We also spend a fair bit of time at coffee shops and things like that. And I think it helps yeah. that Frankie and I are also working on the same business. I think it would be okay. a little bit more complicated if, say, like, ah, no, Paco, there's nothing no. there. It's a person. Okay. Come here. Here. Paco, here. He's okay, okay, I think he's done. But yeah, I think it would be a little bit more complicated if we both had different businesses. So if I was trying to be on a call with somebody and he was trying to be on a call with a totally different person. But because we're doing the same mm-hmm. thing, it makes it a lot easier. Like, we're both on this podcast right now. It's not like, one of us yeah. had to leave the room so that the other one could make the phone call. So I think that helps as sure. well. But yeah, we definitely, you know, we know we're a team and we, we know that in order for everything to work out really well, we have to continue to be a team. And, um, nice. you know, if, if, if team sports and life wasn't a really good thing for me, I don't know what else would be because like you got to really learn to work together and stuff like that. And what are the benefits of being a good teammate, you know, and, and, I think we do it in a really good way, in a really loving way. And to be able to, if you're in a relationship with this person, you need to be able Mm -hmm. to take away the business side and the relationship and separate it into two pieces because they're different things. And one thing could impact the other thing and you don't want that to happen. So remember, first and foremost, that you are in a relationship with this person. And secondly, that you're in a business together. You know, because the relationship is more important than the business, in my opinion. So that's that's how we, we like to look at it. Nice. And so do you have a, a dedicated workspace in your van? We have a we have a table that kind of uh, that's our bed as well. So when we put mm-hmm. the table up, it actually fits six people around it. It's very comfortable. We can lounge out in it. There's other areas where you could kind of sit down and work. We could swivel the chairs around. We made our van to where you could fit 12 people in it comfortably. And so that maximizes the opportunity to really move around the space and be able to kind of sit any way you want. So there's no really dedicated spot. It's just how you feel that day. Do you want to view? Do you want to be able to, you know, look out the side door? Or do you want to sit in the back and be more kind of like trapped in place? But I will Um, say mm -hmm. that from our first van to our second van, our first van had nowhere to work at all. 
We had a really okay. high platform bed, so you couldn't even sit upright in the bed. So you could work mm. in bed, but you'd basically be like laying down and kind of like hunched, hunched over your computer. And then That's we the had, worst. yeah. And then we had um, like a couch in the front with a lagoon table, which worked fine, but then you couldn't really walk past when the lagoon table was up. So mm. it was like too big. So by having the fixed um, or by having the converted bed in this build, we thought, oh, okay, like we'll just make the table every day, make it into a bed at night. And then we'll be able to have the workspace during the day and the bed at night. It'll be the best of both worlds. The idea was to have the elevated bed to the bed that would go up and down, but we didn't get the materials in time. So we just like said, you know what, we'll make it work with just the, the convertible bed and we'll have the one bed and that's it. Which has been fine, but I find that like on the days that we set it up, it's great and it works really well and it's totally fine. But often mm-hmm. it's just easier to go to a coffee shop, you know, like especially in Central America where it's hot. Up. Yeah. And like, you're like, okay, it's the middle of the day. Do I want to be in my van trying to make it cool, trying to get all these things? Or do I want to just pack up my knapsack, go to a nice coffee shop around the corner, get an ice, whatever, and, you know, use their Wi-Fi, use their facilities and like relax. And being the fact that life down here is a bit cheaper, we could afford to go to that coffee shop and be in the air conditioning and find a place for Paco to feel really comfortable. And he's really good at the those places. He just kind of sits in his bag and hangs out and you know oh. he's a good little dude with us his bag yeah he has like a, he has a bag you know like the travel bag that you would put in an airplane we just yeah. leave it wide open and and he loves sitting in it it's like his favorite place that's to so sit. cute that's awesome that's really that's really great um do you have a shower in your van we do uh our shower is a convertible shower so okay. we like set we'll put up We'll put the cu- the cushion on the back table. It's a couch. It's like a day. couch cushion. Yeah, we'll mm-hmm. put it on the back table and then we'll lift it up and then you can hang the curtain from the ceiling because the whole ceiling is tin, so it's magnetic. Yeah, which allows us to hang anything—wet sh- shirts, towels, whatever it is—and uh, yeah, be able to shower inside the van. We use that. We use it quite often in Baja and in places okay. where we're on like a beach a lot, and. In the winter, in the we winter, would use, we use it, it quite, a, quite a bit, but but we haven't been using it as much down here because it's pretty easy to find a shower for the most part. Interesting. It's yeah. another one of those things, kind of like the coffee shop. Like, is it easier yeah. to set up the shower and go through all the things, or can I just get a shower somewhere for like a dollar that's going to be right. easier and I can just grab my bag and go and do it and then come back mm-hmm. and I don't have to worry about putting all the stuff away. Actually at quite a few right. beaches here in Costa Rica they'll have just like a fresh water shower that you can rinse off at. So yeah. Yeah. We'll use that, you know, and then powder the armpits a little bit. <laughs> You're the people showing up at the beach shower to like full on shower. Well we're normally shower coming out of the ocean. <laughs> <I know. laughs> uh so, um, what's your next fan? Ooh, that's We've been a, talking about that. That's a good question. Um, I really would like a like overlanding rig four by four because if we ever are uh-huh. going to do a trip like this again, I want the ability to go really like off the beaten path. And you know, when we have those really challenging uphill roads, I want to be able to yeah. just walk up them. You know, I don't mm-hmm. want. I don't want like even if it's slow, I don't care. But I, just knowing that we have the power to get up it is very important i would love for it to be an electric rig but mm-hmm. i just don't see the mileage being appropriate at the moment 
Uh, maybe yeah. in the next yeah. like two or three years, we'll have rigs that will go 500 miles and, and then you could pretty much go anywhere. Yeah. So I would love it to be an electrical rig because the all-wheel drive aspect to that or the 4x4 aspect to that is even stronger than, uh, than a gas engine. Yeah. So I would love that. But um, I think our next rig might be... Like we're going to have probably like an in-between rig. So I think we're gonna have we're gonna sell this van when we get back to the mm-hmm. states, and then get into something. Um, we're thinking about buying maybe like an older RV or like a you know something along those lines, and then fixing okay. it up, making it more off grid, making it more rugged, making it you know like making it a van life RV so to speak, and then traveling in that for a little bit, and then selling that as well. The thing about the dream of the big rig that frank has is that you know to get all that costs a fair bit of money so we might have to yeah you know have a couple projects in between that will get us to that point where we can actually afford to build the rig that we really want and ideally by the time that rig's here you know ideally we will have like a family or something along those lines so we will be making the Mm -hmm. rig for you know the four of us instead of just three of us you know with Paco I would really like to put like a little den somewhere in there for Paco to have like a spot for himself nice I think every time you build a van you just you upgrade. Yeah, you like you live in the first van. You say, "Oh, what do we like? What do we not?" Then you build a second van. You think it's like perfect, but then you realize, "Oh, okay, like maybe this could be a little different." Or your life changes a bit, I'll or what th- you like to do changes a little bit. This van was pretty yeah. close to perfect for two people and a dog, and the type of travel we were doing. You know, and and when that travel changes, you wanna you wanna make changes to your rig. You know that accommodate those things. Nice. Well, one thing uh, actually, um, so it's not often that I that I have guests on who are also podcasters. Uh, so tell tell the listeners about your show and why you know why they might want to listen. Sure. So it's FNA Van Life. The podcast is everywhere that you listen to podcasts. Every week we interview uh, nomads from the nomadic community, mm-hmm. or we share stories from the news about van life. Okay. So that people can get a good understanding of what it's really like to live life on the road. And sometimes we'll rip apart the news and, uh, you know, that you have some people out of getting into a rig for like a couple of days and then talking about van life like they know what it is. And yeah. it's like, okay. Yeah. So we rip apart those articles quite a bit. Yeah. But also at the same time, we, we, we find articles that we, we feel are very well-rounded and, you know, are, are speaking the truth about what the lifestyle is for us at least. Nice. And and then when it comes to other nomads, like everybody's different. So, you know, we, we probably have a podcast or a person for you that you would be like, oh, that's me. Nice. Yeah, we want to make it so that everybody can see themselves on the road. Like, I think a lot of people make excuses. They say, oh, I have kids or, oh, I'm too old or, oh, I work full time or, oh, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it is that's kind of holding you back from doing it. So we try to talk to all different kinds of people who are living the lifestyle and loving it. So that, you know, whoever's listening can see themselves in that person, you know, and find somebody that they could, you know, look up to and say, well, if they could do it and they have the same challenges that I'm, you know, making for myself, then they could do it. too. And another really cool thing about the podcast is that we're giving you more up to date live stuff of what's happening. So if you go and check out the YouTube channel, that's normally anywhere from two weeks to a month behind where when you listen to the podcast, you get like a a really up to date 
you know, opportunity to really hear where we're at and what's going on and what kind of has uh, conceived with the YouTube channel a little bit. So it's like a flash nice. ahead. Cool. Yeah, it's more more direct. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, one thing that I like to ask all my guests is, you know, what are two or three resources that have helped you or inspired you that you'd like to share with our listeners? I'm going to start with iOverlander. iOverlander, if you don't have it and you're a nomad, you must get it, especially down here in in Central America. It's been a lifesaver for us. It's it's really given us the information that we need to create and have a successful van life experience, you know, while we're here in Central America. Nice. Uh, If we're talking about apps and things like that, I think that especially in the United States, there's so many apps that you can use, whether it's Get Upside or Gas Buddy to get mm-hmm. money back on fuel. Cause for van lifers, that's probably one of your biggest travel expenses is just paying for gas yeah. all the time. So when we were in the United States, that was a really great resource. Even if you're only getting like a dollar back here, a dollar back there, when you're spending, you know, thousands of dollars on gas a year, it really adds up. So I would definitely yeah. recommend that. One other thing I would say is be kind, be, be passionate, be a nice person to, to other people because you know, we're out here on the road and we rely on other people being positive and nice to us. So we want to give that back to them as well. And uh, we want to show people that we're out here doing the right thing. So we're cleaning up trash. We're, we're doing all the things that, that you don't necessarily see the everyday person doing. So uh, if we could do that out here as a community, we could show everybody else that like we're leading by example and maybe that they'll fall in, in that footstep of, of being good stewards and being good people just in the general aspect of life. F and A. (laughs) (laughs) Little nod to the Lebowski. All right. Well, Frankie and Alex, thank you for being guests on the show today. It's been really fun chatting. Yeah, we had a really good time, Ethan. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much to Frankie and Alex F and A for being guests on the show today. You can find the show notes, including a complete transcript of the episode links to their YouTube and podcast, and some photos of both of their vans over at thetinyhouse.net slash 248. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 248. If you like the Tiny House Lifestyle podcast, I hope you will leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever you listen. And please, please follow the show. I recently found out that a lot of my listeners aren't actually subscribed, so make sure you hit that follow button so you get a new episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast when it goes live on Friday morning. Well, that's all for this week. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.